Hey besties, welcome back to another episode of Sunshine and Rainbows podcast, a space where we chat about moments when life isn't. I'm your host, Amanda, and I am so passionate about peeling back that veil our society has constructed around perfectionism online. When starting my own personal platform on Instagram, I realized that I was getting caught in the inauthentic hustle, and it was severely affecting my mental health, mostly because I was comparing my behind the scenes to someone else's highlight reel. Throughout my life, I've come to own that my setbacks were actually just set ups for something better. I found a way to step into my true potential, and the goal is to amplify other voices who have done the same so that someone out there feels seen and that much less alone. I cannot wait to get into this important conversation with our next guest. So let's get started. I am so excited to introduce our next guest on the podcast. She is someone who brought so much honesty and compassion to this conversation. Sarah is a holistic business coach on a mission to help folks craft lives of self-care and service. A decade of addiction and a lifetime of anxiety and depression led Sarah to discover tarot as a tool for self-care. Embracing a spiritual practice cracked open massive shifts in her experience of the world and underpins all of the work she offers today. Sarah has over 15 years of sales, marketing, and communications experience, and has supported hundreds of healers, makers, and mystics to grow their sustainable, holistic business. I'm so excited for you guys to hear my conversation with Sarah. As a warning, though, my mic malfunctioned, and I had to use the sound on my laptop when recording this episode, so I'm going to sound a little bit different than I do in previous episodes. Thank you so much for bearing with me. This is an ever-evolving and learning experience. Without further ado, my conversation with Sarah. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us here today on the podcast. I am so excited to get to know you better and just hear all about you and what you've been up to. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to share some of my story. Yes. So, I would love to just jump right in it and hear a little bit about you and what got you so interested in bringing up a bunch of different conversations. Yeah, so I have had um, a wild life, but let's say last last (laughs) decade. Um, I have struggled with mental health challenges my entire life, and that really came to a head in my late teens and early 20s when I started drinking. Um, And unlike a lot of my peers that didn't get better when I left college and got a real job, it Mm. just kind of kept going. Um, It took me several years to realize that I was really self-medicating for um, depression, and I have a whole lot of anxiety, like very major anxiety issues. And um, I was working in the wine industry, actually. I'd found the perfect job for somebody experiencing (laughs) alcohol issues. (laughs) And uh, I finally realized that I was sick enough that I needed to stop. Um, And I have a bit of an abnormal story, which is why I like to share a little bit about this and that like I never lost my job. I didn't lose my house. I think that culturally we're starting to realize more and more that substance use challenges can look a variety of ways for people, but like nobody knew that I was, nobody knew that I was struggling with alcohol, um, addiction. So it was a big deal. I ended up quitting my job and that's what set me on my path today. Cause I quit my job. I got sober and I was like, I don't think I can work for anyone else ever again. (laughs) 
I can't handle this. So uh, what am I going to do? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yes. You set that up perfectly because you're like, yeah, it's not the typical story. And holy moly, that is so <laughs> much and such a journey. So perfect segue. What, what do you do now? Yeah. So now I am a holistic business coach. So I work with small business owners, especially folks who are kind of traditionally overlooked by the business sphere, like women and queer folks and folks of color and people, especially with disability, chronic health issues and mental health issues, people who don't really fit into either traditional founder roles, traditional quote unquote, or uh, don't actually fit as well into our uh, classic work paradigm. People who are not going to have full-time jobs that require them to be at a desk for 80 hours a week or standing for 80 hours a week or whatever that looks like. So my background was in sales, marketing, and communications. That's what I did my entire work life. I ran my own business um, actually as like a tarot reader and herbalist for several years before, (laughs) before finally coming back and bringing all those pieces together to now help people to grow their own businesses in a way that's actually sustainable and supportive for them. Wow. What? a mission, what a story too, that you're able to share with these clients and people that you work with every day. Yeah, I feel very lucky. um, And it's been important for me to be able to hold the space for the challenges that I've experienced and to model that for everyone that I work with. I'm also showing the possibility of being able to create a life that actually supports me and lets me like stay in bed when I need to, for example. <laughs> yes. I, it, it's funny. So I went through not that journey, but one that was impactful on my own and struggles of my own. And I joke with people now that, you know, I, I left the traditional nine to five and now I just work 24 seven. I mean, there is some of that. Yeah. And so I am trying to find that balance of enough rigidity, but also enough flexibility at the same time. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious to hear for you. I find that for a lot of folks, it starts because that passion is so great that it becomes easy to work so much because it doesn't always feel like work. But at some point, it's not sustainable. At some point, we get kind of stuck and a lot of those old habits emerge. And especially if you're running your own business or, you know, especially if you're working by yourself or have a very small team, there is just a lot to do. And I think it's a lie to be like, this is super chill and easy and passive. Like, I hate that. I hate that so much. It is not super chill and easy and passive. No. (laughs) But, you know, what kind of structures work for you? Because I think that that is this piece. It's like we go and we work for ourselves and we're like, freedom, which means working 24-7. Wait, that's not right. (laughs) No. So for me personally, I work from home now and my husband works from home as well too. So it was a big adjustment where uh, he was working home pre-everything that happened the past couple of years. And I actually worked in the zookeeper field. So I was a zookeeper out with my animals and then I made the decision to start running my brand full time and I came home and I was like oh like I'm home all day with him and like we had to set (laughs) boundaries of like hey I can't just come hang out with you while you're in meetings and vice versa you know and so what we determined for us personally is that work is when we're in our offices and then when we leave that's when work ends so even though I work all day on social media, I put my phone away during dinner time or when we're on the couch and I have to make that distinctive, 
okay, this is not work anymore. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's so, that's such a great and simple delineation as well. I think sometimes we try to make it really complicated and like really hyper-structured. It's like, no, just if you're not in your office, you're not working. Like, I like that. That's yeah. great. <laughs> and we've come up with a system too. Like if my door is closed, like it is right now, then he knows like, mm, okay, she's like in a meeting and if it's open, then he can like come in and distract me if he wants to. <laughs> <laughs> I welcome the distractions. <laughs> Same. <laughs> so you have brought up a couple different topics that you wanted to discuss today. And I would love to jump into that if you're okay with it. Great. Perfect. So one of the questions that we had talked about is how do you create a business that like takes into account the whole of who you are, but also keep it in mind that mental health and even sometimes chronic illness challenges. It's it's the whole gambit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so I, if you've been in business for any length of time, you've probably heard this term minimal viable product, right? This comes out of kind of like software land, tech land, um, make something minimally viable, ship it, get feedback, rather than focusing on perfection. And I think that can be really helpful for a lot of us. But I like this idea of minimal viable business <laughs> as in like taking it one step further and figuring out what is the, what are the base activities that need to occur in your business on a daily, weekly, and monthly basis to essentially maintain it? Because I think a lot of folks who are extremely passionate about their work jump right into the deep end and say, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this. And we plan for our inevitable success, which is a great mindset to have <laughs> when we're setting things up. And we forget to plan for um, life, being sick, having responsibilities, what doesn't happen. So you end up with big goals, big dreams, and big plans and a packed schedule usually. And then it doesn't even have to be something chronic. You just get a cold. And then what do you do? Right? It's like for so many folks, the immediate response to that is that, oh, I'm a failure. Right? Oh, I have to push this back a day. And then people start to lose the thread. And I see this a lot with beginning business owners, but also with established people who are just used to kind of operating at a higher level. Like they're like really like, like they're, you know, they're, they're honed, they're like business fit, whatever, right? They're used to it. And then something knocks them off and they're, and they get stuck. So that's what I like to think about is like, what are, what are the baseline maintenance activities for your business? And I call it that. I call it putting my business in maintenance mode. It's almost like I'm pressing a mental button and I'm like, okay, we're in maintenance mode. What needs to happen? And for most businesses, it's pretty simple. You probably, depending on where your business is, have some kind of revenue generating activity that needs to be ongoing. Some business models don't. Like I run a membership. So my membership can go in maintenance mode and keep generating revenue because it's a subscription revenue, which is lovely. Um, But at some point, you know, we do need to probably go make more sales and get new customers. But the other piece is then customer delivery, right? Usually there's some things you have to do for whether you're shipping packages out, you are doing coaching calls with people, um, yeah. you're posting to social media, right? So I kind of like think of it as triaging and like, what, what is the, like literally, what is the minimum that needs to happen? Because if we can maintain that and actually have a plan for that, then when, when challenges occur or when you're sick or when you're having a bad mental health day, week, month, we don't yeah. have to throw the whole business out we can actually, just like you probably have your baseline, like, okay, I need to take a shower once a week when I'm feeling this way, because if I don't take that one shower, like I know that that is like a cliff for me. Your business can have the same kind of uh, metrics for, um, I mean, metrics for success in terms of like maintenance. Yes. I love that. And 
thinking just to, you know, I bring up my husband, but he always says something. He's like under promise and over deliver. And he's like, when I'm making business plans, like I give that baseline and I know that I can personally deliver more, but just in case something happens, I want to make sure that they're okay with what I'm presenting. And I've really modeled that too, because social media is so unpredictable. And one day Instagram could be down or one day my podcasting software could completely crash. And so creating those almost fail safes in your business, I think also translates to your life as well too. Definitely. Yeah. How does that translate to your life for you? For me personally, knowing how busy I can be and still take care of myself. So in my brain, I see productivity and busy as value. It's not, (laughs) it's not, but in my brain, I'm like, okay, the busier I am, the better I'm doing. No, no, no. And so I know how to block my calendar and my schedule out in order to give me those fail safe moments of, okay, I got home from a doctor's appointment and maybe didn't get the news I was expecting. So today I'm going to watch TV and just like sit in that feeling, you know, and whatever happens, have those moments to where I can focus on me. At the Mm -hmm. end of the day, it doesn't happen if I'm not there doing it. (laughs) Exactly. You know, it's, I feel like, you know, there, we probably like treat I don't know. I was. I need a better metaphor for this. I was about to make a car metaphor, which really is not my style. So I was like, well, <laughs> I don't think that one's going to work. But we forget that we are essentially, uh, I don't know, the star athlete in our business, right? And in our own lives. And if we don't take care of ourselves, then it's not going to happen. And we're not going to have the impact that we want. And the people we're committing to helping are not going to get what we either what we've already sold them, frankly, but also just, you know, what we're offering in the world. So I love that, like creating that space for yourself. And I do the same. I'll like get home or I'll wake up and know, I'll be like, oh, this is not a good day. <laughs> I can just tell. Yep. And I go into my click up and I look and I say, okay, this has to happen. This has to happen. Everything else, it's going to be okay. And it yeah. means that I've become slower. I used to be an extremely fast producer. I am a much slower producer now. Um, it means that my business growth has slowed, um, but it's, I no longer am like rushing and chasing after things that are not sustainable. Like it it is sustainable growth Mm -hmm. that I know I can carry regardless of what's happening in my life. And it means that it changes the way, like what I sell. Even I now only make offers that I know that I can show up for regardless of how I feel essentially. So, and like, cause we all need those days on the couch watching TV sitting (laughs) in the feelings. We do. We really do. And for me personally, I've kind of created when I'm feeling that way, I have steps that I go through like, okay, I'm going to take a shower, see how I feel. I'm going to journal now, see how I feel. And I have these steps in my morning routine that if I get through all of my steps after working out, eating after that, if I'm still not feeling it, I'm like, okay, I'm going to listen to my body and we're not feeling it today. But Throughout that process, I've learned myself and how I function enough that I can typically do things to get me back on the right track. Mm. I need that. I need the morning <laughs> routine check-in. I'm like, I'm sitting here, I'm like, oh man, I've been very slippy slidey with my mornings and I can feel it. <laughs> it's hard. It it has been a process for sure. A 28-year-long <laughs> process, but <laughs> yeah. oh man. So with the business and productivity side of that, 
I feel like I definitely run into it. I'm sure you do. But toxic positivity, it's a thing. And I feel like people just throw positivity at problems like, oh, you're busy, but at least you have clients. You should be happy that you're so busy. And yeah, you're making a face right now. And that's how I feel. But how do you avoid that and perfectionism and all of those things that go into your business? Yeah, I think the first thing is, you know, and I'm sure I say things like how to avoid, but I think ultimately trying to avoid is part of the problem, right? I think that first step is probably just meeting it and noticing the behavior. Um, one of my friends and teachers, Ren Zatapik, will ask, what does this serve? Like, what is the utility of this in the moment? Why are we trying to bypass this feeling by saying, oh, but at least you have clients, mm. right? Or, oh, you know, be grateful for what you have. And it's this gratitude, I think, is a fantastic practice and positivity is a fantastic practice. But often we're doing that to minimize how we feel in the moment because we feel guilty. We feel guilty for feeling overwhelmed. We feel like we're not good enough. And we're kind of trying to trick ourselves into pretending that that's not happening for whatever reason. This is That's probably a therapy conversation that each yeah. of us needs to have individually, right? But there's some kind of, 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 of feedback that has told us that it's not okay to feel how we feel. Right. So in the context of business, of course, that carries through and we're mm -hmm. like, well, great. I I'm overwhelmed by the number of clients, but I shouldn't be overwhelmed because this is a good thing. And now I'm a bad person because I'm overwhelmed and have good things. And I mean, that we can just keep going down the rabbit yeah. hole. So I think the first thing, I mean, in, I'm going to say in anything just to be broad, but really in business is to start to notice your own patterns and habits. Just like you were saying with, with your morning routine check-in that you can usually get yourself kind of on a track or know that truly you need the day, like it's not going to happen, is that we can do that for noticing our behaviors as well. So with things like toxic positivity and getting stuck in this like kind of compulsive productivity mode, I like to notice, first of all, when do those behaviors emerge, right? When do we fall into those traps? So for me, I fall into those if I'm feeling any financial scarcity at all. Now, that doesn't mean that it's real. Usually it's not. This is usually an entire construct in my head. But if I feel it, right, like let's say I have a client who doesn't renew or I um, have a big churn week in my membership or something. And I'm like, I immediately go into the disaster mode. I'm like, oh, great. This is all going to fail. So I have to fix it. I was like, this is a sign of failure. The, the plane is crashing. I have to single-handedly like fix the entire world right now. And that means that I need to be in the right mindset and I need to work harder. Mm -hmm. No. I'm gonna, I'm curious for you. How does it work for you if you're like in a terrible place and you try to force yourself to like fix things? Does uh, that go well for you? Because no. it doesn't go well for me. No, that's when I <laughs> spiral and then start comfort watching the same TV show over and over again. And my husband, What's your TV like, show? Um, okay, so it's either The Office or Grey's Anatomy. It like ping pongs between those two. Or Anastasia is my depression movie that I just like put on. <laughs> and he'll come out of his office and be like, ah, it's an Anastasia day. Okay. <laughs> Yep. Creature yep. of habit here, but. <laughs> so that first step then it is awareness, right? And I think that's true for so much of our mental health challenges for anything in our life is giving ourselves the space to notice. Um, and I think the second step then is asking is essentially, I find this helpful. Not everyone does, but what is actually the result like of this present moment that could happen? Like what is my worst case scenario right now? A client not renewing the worst case scenario is essentially nothing actually right? I should, I could get another client. I could, um, I mean, I might have to like figure something out, but like in that moment, 
getting that email, nothing has happened. Nothing has substantially changed. So kind of the reality check piece helps. But I think that third piece for me that's most important is getting re-centered on the actual impact of my business. And often when we get kind of stuck in these like nitty gritty, um, like kind of bypassing reality or overworking ourselves, or like you were saying, like we have that, that value worth tied up with our doing, which is a deep cultural and often person one, personal one for a lot oh, of us. Yes. I, I feel that too. <laughs> we're often losing sight of what the end result is right? You're now judging ourselves on how many tasks we've completed today, not how many lives we've, we've helped. Mm. So I find that zooming out is often the most effective tool because it'll help to right size the present situation. Oh, one client didn't renew or one person returned something, right? Like getting a return or a refund, you're just like, oh my gosh, right? End of the world. I'm going to die. Yep. <laughs> I am now dead in a ditch with this refund. <laughs> but if we look at, right? But if, that's where I always end up. My like, my my anxiety, fear goes straight to like dead in yep. a ditch. It's over. Yep. But if we put that in the context, and like for, this is different for different people, um, but like I have a lot of students who will like put up post-it notes with kind of their impact goals. Um, I like to keep a little folder of like kind of case studies and testimonials of like ways that we've helped people and to put it in the context of saying, all right, this is why we're doing it. Mm. Not just for that one person who is not happy with this or did not like it because it happens, right? And not for me to sit here and check things off of a list all day. That's actually not the end goal either. The end goal is is this greater impact. Mm -hmm. And if we can situate it in there, it actually starts to shift that relationship to needing to, yeah, be like toxically positive and bypass reality. Like, no, this sucked. And we have context. It also helps us to break out of things like toxic productivity because doing things is no longer the goal. And this is a practice. This is not like a one and done. (laughs) This is like a daily thing. (laughs) No, for sure. And I think I I love all that. Yes. On top of that, that's why it's so important to have your why, your pillars, your mission statement, all of that figured out. And yes, talking about business, but also about your personal life. What are Mm -hmm. your values? What is your mission purpose as a person? Because again, while we're talking about business, if you're the one running your business, like again, it falls back to you. Yes. I love that you mentioned values too, because I think that's a piece that often people haven't really considered, especially in their kind of yeah, once you start a business, it really magnifies the values you're operating out of, which may not be the ones that you consciously desire. So without kind of doing that deeper level work of figuring out what you actually believe or what you want to believe and how you want to operate in the world, we fall back on these patterns because they do create some sense of security while we're trying to build something new or do something scary. But when we lead with, I guess, those values, that mission, that understanding of that greater work. And yeah, for your personal life as well. I think that you should do this for your business and your personal life. Like (laughs) what kind of life do you want to lead? Um, But when we bring that element of purpose to it, then it can help us to really shift our relationship with how we're spending our days. And it can actually, even the days that don't feel great can still be, I don't know if the word pleasant is quite right, but um, they don't feel as they don't feel like losses anymore. Yeah. Because they're situated in the context of what you want your life to be like. I love that. Oh, it like gave me goosebumps. Oh, <laughs> love it. It's it's just so validating to hear 
you know, like I've personally been doing a lot of work and I've been in the work of myself, not so much the business. And it's just nice to hear that the work is worth it, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Well, I mean, we have this beautiful opportunity when we have our own businesses to to bring that forth in a way that is is deeply rewarding and deeply creative and deeply generative. So yeah, to get to do that inner work and then see how that's going to expand into all the different realms of the world and all the people that you touch, that that's amazing. It's very exciting. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> so what, <sighs> let me see how to phrase this. What were the challenges that you personally faced leaving the corporate world and you were in wine marketing, right? And then mm-hmm. being in this new world of business that you're in. Well, I think the biggest challenge was that I didn't plan it. So I okay. had no savings <laughs> <laughs> and I don't recommend that. I get asked all the time, how do I transition out of a corporate job? You know, how do I start my own business? And I'm basically like, like, not like I did. <laughs> I... <laughs> I am definitely a bridge burner, a burn it down or like a like lit, light it on fire kind of self-motivator. But ultimately, I just don't really recommend that. Those of you who are fire lighters, you know who you are and you're going to not listen to me anyway. Or you, you are. Okay. Yeah, I try. Every time I've left a job, it's to leave for something else. And so obviously always respectful in the field that I worked in is incredibly small and everyone knows everyone. But personally inside, I was like, Hey, hey, I'm moving on, you know, when it's like, okay, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, for me, I left because I had been sober for seven months and I couldn't figure out how to stay. And uh, though a lot of people I worked with were very supportive, ultimately, I was just at a crisis point where I knew that I couldn't care for myself if I stayed in that job. So um, I left and I didn't really have a plan and I didn't have any savings and I didn't have anywhere to go. I didn't have a side gig. I had nothing. So here's what I recommend instead. (laughs) I think the first thing is I don't know that you need to be 100% certain on what you want to do before you leave a job and make the leap. I think for most folks that becomes that same perfectionism thing. You get stuck in this trap of like having everything right before you make a leap. Uh, Chances are it's not going to happen right? Nothing is ever 100% right. So if your goal is like, I'm going to have this much in the bank and this many customers and all of these things ready, it's going to be, you're probably not going to ever hit that place. That said, I would recommend doing a little bit of personal risk analysis. Obviously my risk analysis was I am going to drink if I stay in this job. So I am leaving, right? (laughs) Which is, which was valid. Um, but look, it's really a, it's really personal risk management. How much money do you need saved to feel remotely secure leaving your job, right? For some people that's going to be like, nah, I'm good. I'll figure it out. For some people that's going to be a fair amount of money. And I think it's worth looking at that for you personally. If you're married, if you have a partner, those are conversations to have probably in context of that as well. At the time, I wasn't really taking anyone else into account. So I was, again, lighted on fire. Uh Who cares? (laughs) I I was young and dumb and it seemed like a great idea. Um, But I think the other piece is 
for a lot of folks, having some kind of plan where you have maybe the opportunity to work at a part-time job or do some contract work that is maybe related to what you're interested in so you can keep building skills, but is more flexible is a fantastic bridge, mm-hmm. especially if you're going to be running your own business. And let's say you aren't like me and you don't have sales and marketing experience, for example, right? Or communication experience. Can you get a part-time job or some contract work where maybe you can develop some of those skills? Because I think getting paid to learn is one of the smartest things you can do. So I, I love this kind of, I, these like kind of bridge jobs or even just working part-time at a retail store. It doesn't really matter. Like, but giving yourself some breathing room can be really helpful so that the business doesn't have the pressure to fully support you from day one, because that forces you to make choices that are probably not aligned with those values we were talking about. Yeah. Cause now you're making choices out of being afraid and broke, yes. which is a very, very challenging place to make choices from. I have been there. It took me several years to even remotely achieve something approximating financial security in my business. And um, I don't wish that on anyone. So personal risk management, maybe save some money, bridge job, but ultimately be wary of the perfectionism and the stopping yourself because that you're never going to be ready to Mm. make a massive change in your life. Mm. I love that. And with me personally, there were this period of six months where I felt on the cusp and I felt this being pulled and like, this is what I needed to do. But stepping away from something that I had worked my whole life for seemed so like anti-intuitive, you know, to me. And my husband finally said to me, he's like, it's not going to be perfect. And you just have to do it. You just have to jump into it and we're going to be okay. And you're allowed to fail. I know that's like not in your vocabulary, Amanda, (laughs) but you're allowed to quote unquote fail and figure it out. I was like, okay, all right. And this was the first time in January as I just jumped in both feet and I'm still learning as I'm going, you know, and that's been kind of the beauty of it all is I'm so stimulated because I'm learning constantly. Yes. Um, your husband sounds great, by the way. You know, I try not to like talk about him too much, but I'm very lucky to have him and he'll listen to this and be like, oh, but he's great. <laughs> he really is a great guy. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I think that I like that you're saying you're still learning. I mean, I'm still learning every day too. And goodness, I hope I do till the day I die. Yeah. I'm really not not interested in stagnation. I want to keep learning. But, you know, having a small business or a personal brand business or anything like that, that is an ongoing learning experience and getting comfortable with, yes, quote unquote, failure is an important part of it. Just like being in school and getting uh, not getting the grade you want on something, not being learning how to shift that to not being an indicator of your worth, but more an indicator of something more to learn or something that isn't a good fit. Um, That's a whole other mindset piece. But you're never going to stop learning if you're running your own business. So uh, buckle up. Yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that's like most of the job is learning. <laughs> Get ready. Oh my goodness. Now, one thing I did want to touch on, you kind of like mentioned it at the beginning, but you discovered and started using a new practice to help you through all of this, right? Yes. Yeah, so when I got sober, my um, my, my intuition, my sensory sense, my sensory sense of the world, that sounds real, um, was really cracked open. And I think that a lot of folks who have high anxiety and a lot of folks who use drugs and alcohol are often very sensitive people. Um, and can, even if it's just 
from an emotional standpoint of being very, you know, very empathetic and really kind of feeling what other people are feeling. Um, this also, yes, can definitely be like a trauma response. So be mindful of that. It's yeah. a great thing to talk about with, with mental health professionals, uh-huh. um, that, that hypervigilance, we love it. Um, but one of the things that I realized was I really didn't know how to trust myself. And for me, a big part of learning, relearning self-trust was developing a spiritual practice. And a lot of that was focused through using tarot cards, actually, and using um, tarot as a tool for self-reflection and exploration in a way that enabled me to build more trust in my own intuition and my own decision-making. I mean, after years of making, uh, I'm going to go ahead, not to be like super judgy against myself, but like making some bad choices. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I didn't know how to tell essentially what was, what I really felt and what was kind of the old programming and a tool like tarot, whether you believe it, what, whether you believe it does, uh, what, 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 what some do, whether you believe it's psychic, whether you believe in any number of things, or whether you think it's just a reflective tool, a lot of people use it through kind of like a Jungian um, psychology lens mm-hmm. or just a journaling lens. I think it's really helpful to have something external to you that you can have a conversation with, um, whether that's like a person, but also it can be a deck of cards. You can be prompted by the imagery, prompted by the messages to have a dialogue with yourself. And by getting it literally outside of your head and onto like something you're looking at, for me made it so much easier to discern the difference between all the stories I was telling and what I actually wanted and what was actually happening. Mm, That is so interesting. And being someone that also struggles with high, high functioning anxiety, I have generalized anxiety disorder. And you're right our brain fills in this narrative that isn't always, it's our reality, but it might not be shared reality. Mm -hmm. And me personally, I journal. And when it's out on the paper, that's when I've decided how I actually feel because it's pouring out through those pages. And I can even reflect and look back on it and be like, okay, that wasn't quite reality. That was in my brain. But now looking back, I can understand where I was coming from and where to go from now. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly how I was using tarot, especially in early sobriety. And I think whether it's journaling or something like tarot or any number of tools that are available to you, giving yourself that space, yeah, to process, I think, especially for the anxious brain is so valuable because otherwise we can, we can, gosh, we are so brilliant. We can make up stories about anything, Mm -hmm. can't we? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it can be helpful to kind of tease the pieces apart and see what is useful and what we want to move forward with and not just what our beautiful brains have created. (laughs) I, I love that. And I love the way you even just phrased that, that it is, you know, and when thinking about anxiety, it can be seen as such a negative, but it it is a source of creativity. If you really want to think about it that way, I'm exercising <laughs> the creative part of my brain. <laughs> it's very creative. I'm very creative over here. <laughs> That's what I'm saying from now on. I'm busy being creative. <laughs> I'm going to bill that as creativity. <laughs> Daily panic attack, creativity. (laughs) Excellent. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. This is such a pleasure talking to you and just hearing how clearly passionate you are about what you dedicate your life to now. And I'm a big proponent of not defining people by the jobs that they hold because I think we are so much more 
than that. But what you do to make money is inspiring. And I think that's so neat that you found a way to do both at the same time. Yeah. Thank you so much. And thank you for the opportunity to chat with you. This has been such a pleasure. And yeah, we do not have to be defined by our jobs, but when we get to do work we love, it is a huge part of our lives. And I'm very grateful and happy I got to share about it with y'all today. Yay. I would love to give you an opportunity just to share where we can find you online. If you have any courses that you've launched recently or anything like that for my audience, I will link everything in the episode notes, but just so they can hear you talk about it. Yeah, well, come hang out on Instagram. That's where I am most of the time. And I'm going to guess if you listen to this show, you're probably on Instagram a fair amount as well. So I am at Sarah M. Chapel. That's the place to find me. And we actually have a free training if you are like, this sounds like an interesting way to think about business. And uh, I listened to this woman talk for a while and I don't find her voice too annoying. You can come <laughs> check that out <laughs> at holisticbusinessacademy.com forward slash attract. We have a free on-demand training there all about attracting your ideal customers without doing all the things. So basically, how do we do sales and marketing without getting stuck in this like compulsive productivity paradigm. Um, I would love for you to check it out. Oh, that is amazing. I am going to go check it out right now. I'm going to go check it out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, thank you again so much. It, it was incredible. I appreciate you. Thank you. And I'm on the roll. Thank you for listening to yet another amazing conversation started here on Sunshine and Rainbows podcast. Each week, I am quite literally blown away by the voices and stories shared here. The goal is to amplify others' experiences in hopes that someone listening out there feels that much less alone. Thank you again to our incredible guests for getting so vulnerable with us about their own personal stories and for helping each of us remember to look at a situation with a new perspective. If you love this episode or any previous one, I hope you'll take a second to share it to a bestie or even tell us on social media. It really does make a difference in helping us get these conversations out there to the world. If you'd like to share your own story with our audience about how you've overcome something in your life or maybe want to start an important conversation that needs to be heard, please send us an email at hello at Stay colorful and we'll see you next week, besties.